You're listening to the Maximum Advisor Podcast, a show that empowers financial advisors to set goals, take action, and grow their practice. Your host, Chip Munn, is an award-winning advisor and CEO whose advice is regularly featured in Business Insider, Thrive Global, and The Streets Retirement Daily. Listen in as he sits down with industry experts to talk about building a practice and making an impact. Welcome back to Maximum Advisor. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and today I'm joined by Amanda Berlin. Amanda is a former corporate publicity strategist who now uses her powers for good. Uh, She helps business owners and advisors write their web copy, tell their story, and spread their message in the media. Amanda, welcome to the show. Chip, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Great. Well, uh, you know, we met via FinCon. So we were both speakers at their recent virtual conference. For anybody who's listening who has never checked that out, I certainly would encourage you to do so. But Amanda, for folks who have not had an opportunity to meet you or hear you speak, tell us a little bit about you and how you got here. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for having me. Like you said, I'm a former corporate publicity strategist who now considers myself using my powers for good. And what it means to have been a publicity strategist is I worked in the big New York City PR agency world for many years. And I was in charge at the end of my corporate career of getting my clients on television and on the radio. So big corporations would come to us with their new product or their new FDA approval, or maybe it's an old product that they want publicity on. And my job was to take their messages, the ideas that they wanted to communicate, the spokesperson who they identified, or we helped them identify as the person to deliver those messages and create a story. It was my job to come up with the story that was going to be relevant to the audience out there. And that was interesting and exciting work. And I knew enough about a lot of different things just to be dangerous, (laughs) not enough to be an expert, but I could really dig in and figure out what details were important, which made me feel probably more confident than I should have about my knowledge in all of these different sectors. But the skill set that I walked away with was really this formula for creating a newsworthy story. The problem with that scenario that I was in was that I was helping, in my mind, the loudest guys in the room, the big companies, be louder than their competition. And to me, there just was no soul in that. And I felt like I was contributing to the machine and it just wasn't filling me up that work anymore. So I actually, during the tail end of the financial crisis, when everything was sort of blowing up in New York, I got laid off. And that ended up being my catalyst for pursuing a version of what I had been doing that felt much more fulfilling to me. So for anyone who is contemplating you know, a pivot in their career, please know that it's not always a graceful pivot. There's sometimes lots of dabbling that needs to go on to help you find that iteration of your genius that will help you actually make a living as well. And so for about a year after I got laid off, I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do, how I wanted to build my own business. And what finally occurred to me was that though I had been disheartened in the PR and communications corporate world, 
the PR and communications world for entrepreneurs and for solo business owners and even just small businesses was underserved by the large corporations out there, the large PR firms, and even the small PR firms, they were not built to serve small businesses. And we, as small business owners, needed to figure out how to do our own PR and get visible on our own because this was part of one of the many hats that we needed to wear. And so... That was what I started to do and have been doing for the last eight years. I've been teaching business owners how to burst out of their word of mouth bubble, how to make new connections, how to be seen as an expert, and how to put their ideas and their story and their messages out there in a way that connects with more of the right people. In the basis method that I teach for advisors building a practice, one of the keys is attracting the right kind of people. And so I think that historically, advisors feel like if you look at the data, they get a lot of new business from referrals. That's what we say. Now, I think in a lot of cases, they're more passive referrals. But when you look at the importance of getting earned or media in this case, because this isn't advertising, we're not talking about advertising. Exactly. What would you say is the important part of that? How does that help an advisor attracting the right kind of folks to their practice. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I love the fact that you used industry jargon there and said earned media, which indicates that you've been given the opportunity to contribute. And that's a huge part of this because in the mind of the consumer, in the mind of your potential client out there, when they see you on something that they know you didn't pay for, when they know that you earned the opportunity, it gives you that jolt of credibility that they do not assign. They simply do not assign it to an advertisement that they see on their social media feed or on television or in a Google ad. You earn their trust because they know on a subconscious level that you've earned the opportunity to be featured or interviewed, or even if you've written a piece for a particular magazine, or kind of to expand it out a bit more to kind of the whole breadth of the model that I teach. If they see you like you and I, Chip, we spoke at FinCon. If they see you speaking on a stage, they assign a certain level of expertise to you or credibility to you because they know you've earned that exposure. You've earned that slot. And just to kind of clarify too, media is one piece of the marketing puzzle that I put together with my clients. So the visibility strategy that we cultivate is really drawn from all of the tactics that a PR firm, a big firm would use to get their clients visibility. So we're talking about strategic partnerships. We're talking about collaborations and alliances. We're talking about speaking, we're talking about hosting events, being at the center of a happening, and we're talking about media. So media is kind of the first place our mind goes to when we think about publicity, but publicity really encompasses all of these different tactics that you employ to become better known and to connect with your clientele. And interestingly enough, having listened to, and I wrote down some of the things that you were talking about under the umbrella of visibility, strategic partnerships, collaborations, speaking events, really. And part of the reason I think that advisors need help is because a lot of those things, we feel like 
we either do or want to do, client events. And, and those are, for our industry, things that we feel like we do, in part because those are more controllable. From a strategist standpoint, building, in our case, say, centers of influence with mm-hmm. attorneys and CPAs or speaking at a local event or putting on a client event, those are relatively controllable. What we're talking about here, and I think that's interesting because I think that a lot of advisors try to do those things for themselves, but what they, I think the leap is in trying to get that visibility somewhere else. Absolutely. What I'm taking from that is, and tell me if I'm going in the right direction with this, but The idea, and this is so important, this is some kind of a basic tenet of media outreach as it pertains to a small business owner, is that you can't be talking to a whole room of people who are doing something that's similar to what you're doing. You have to diversify the audiences that you talk to so that you become the singular person that they're getting advice from. So the idea is that you know, and I think that you probably talk a lot about niching, right? And niching your clientele. The idea with the media is actually you can niche in a lot of different ways. There are a lot of different audiences that could be receptive to your message. And when you think about all the different communities you're involved in or all of the different points of interest that you have, Think about the groups that assemble around those centers of interest and think about what you can go in and teach to them. Because if you're doing the same tactics of going and speaking to groups of attorneys, or maybe it's not even groups, just seeking out those centers of influence, you're one of many people who are probably connecting with those individuals. But if you're going and you're talking to a group of solo entrepreneurs or mom business owners, there could be any micro niche that you could then tailor your message for and go and speak to them about what they need to know about their financial planning. Well, I'm a big believer in at least when it comes to trying to attract people that you have one target market at a time Mm. to your point for any marketing or promotion that it's focused on not everybody, whether that person is the pre-retiree moving to your location from out of town, or it's physicians, or it's people who like to write, like just at a time, you need to hone in. And so one of the areas where I think that you and I, as we're on a podcast and folks are listening, one of the areas where you and I both have had some success and enjoy doing is in the podcast. And I think one of the benefits I see of podcasts is that there, and you may know some statistics, there are a lot of them, and you can really hone in on different things. Talk to us a little bit about kind of the importance of and the power of now getting on podcasts. Why is that important for business owners and advisors now? I love that question. I love podcasts as a really powerful medium, but I also love podcasts because it's almost like you're a fly on the wall for a personal conversation that two people are having, which has the effect on the listener of really feeling connected to you. So above and beyond any other type of media, it gives you that personal connection with the audience member if you are appearing on a podcast. And it's just an inexplicable phenomenon because it's kind of the same thing as radio. 
any old school radio broadcaster will tell you that radio is the most intimate of media. And I would say the same thing is true about podcasts because you have the longer time frame. You are talking for, you know, 20 minutes to maybe even an hour, you know, with the interviewer and thus with the audience, you're literally in their ears. So it's a very, you know, kind of strangely intimate experience. But the fact of the matter is in order to convert someone into a client, you need to have that kind of connection, that kind of longer form conversation. And because they feel like they're kind of in it with you, podcasts can provide that platform for those kinds of conversations. And it is my most favorite media for people who are looking to bring more revenue into their business. If we're just talking about media, podcasts should be the focus for more revenue generating activity. If you're looking, so I'm going to go in the direction of like, just briefly what other media can do for a business. Because if you're looking for being more known and being more visible, and maybe even having that credibility once someone comes to your website and sees like, oh, he's been featured on the local CBS station and just kind of ingraining that trust by having those like credible logos on your website, then the more mass market media can do that for you. It is very unlikely across any industry for you to get a client, especially in financial services, where you really do need to have a connection and trust with your potential client it's highly unlikely that that mass market visibility is going to bring in new clients. I know it's hard to believe because we want to think like, oh, wow, like the Today Show, it's going to be a windfall. It actually doesn't work that way. So that's why coming back to podcasts, they are so powerful in creating that connection with potential clients. And I will go back again to this idea of the niching conversation we had and focusing on one audience at a time, because like you said, Chip, there are so many podcasts out there that are speaking to so many different audiences that it gives you as the financial advisor, an opportunity to tailor your message to any kind of community you might want to. One of the things that dawned on me while you were talking was the notion of choosing between being rich and famous. Right. Because when you were talking about, I think about all the social proof and I've had an opportunity, particularly this year to get quoted and all those things a lot. So that you do, you get a lot of cool logos on your website. And I think we would both agree that there's a place for that. Yes. But there's also a limited number of logos that you're going to put on your website anyway. So that is the idea. And it, it feeds our ego to feel famous for a little while. We get to share. We were in Business Insider or on CNBC or, or whatever. It's nice to be famous for a little while. I, I prefer to be what I call four-mile famous, which is within four miles of where I am. I want everybody to know who I am and what I'm doing. What I heard you say was that the podcast area gives you an opportunity to actually, that's more the get rich. That's where you're actually maybe more able to build a following to actually convert folks from, I didn't know who you were to eventually becoming a client. And the other thing that I heard, and, and I'd like for you to comment maybe on, on both or, or kind of expand on it is we're not talking about the hard work of 
you host a podcast. I host a couple of podcasts and there are plenty of folks and I'm not disputing it because again, I do it talking about having your own podcast. What we're talking about is actually guesting on other people's podcasts. So why is one maybe either more important or just different than the other from your standpoint? Absolutely. Yes. So, you know, what's interesting is that having your own podcast, having your own blog, having your own YouTube channel, all of these are good, you know, marketing techniques, marketing tactics. So I will say that all of those tactics, they are giving your kind of existing audience, the people who already know about you, the opportunity to learn some of the skills, tactics, whatever you're putting out there on those mediums. It gives them the opportunity to engage with you. What's more powerful, yes, you should have your own sort of content that you're generating, but you need also to have tactics where you're bringing in new eyeballs to those pieces of content that you're creating. I will always advise my clients if they're like, oh, I'm thinking of starting a podcast or I'm thinking of writing this up as a blog post. I want them to think about where can they place that idea or that content out there on someone else's platform so that new people are becoming aware of them. So that's, I think, the difference between hosting your own podcast and guesting on other people's podcasts. I will say though, the power of having your own podcast is that you get to make connections like this. It's like an easy ask to invite someone to come on the show if you want to connect with them and potentially develop a collaboration or build on that relationship. So it's always excellent to have something going on in your platform that gives you a reason to connect with other people but there's also got to be an effort to put your content out there on other people's platforms so that new people can find you. Yeah, I would agree. For me, blog, podcast, things like that of my own are a way to educate and motivate people over time to build that relationship. Yes. It is not a sales thing because people only do things when they're ready. And so having some form of your own content is important because you want to be able to, and that gets into email marketing and all those kinds of things. But I, I think the key here is it doesn't do you any good if you don't have anybody to educate and motivate. And so what we're talking about is the ability to get out there and have more eyeballs or AirPods or whatever. You have to have a message, one, and I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of part of your process. And then you have to amplify it by actually getting it out there so that you have people that, you know, if you have a podcast and nobody listens, right? It's like the old, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it. <laughs> so how do we do it? Our listeners get the importance. We want to attract people. We want to do that. There's a big disconnect, though, in wanting to do it and having any idea how to do it. So how is it yep. that you suggest that people begin kind of what's the process? Yeah. Absolutely. So I love this question. This is something that I work on with my clients day in and day out. So there's a lot more that goes into it than what I can teach right now. But the baseline where I would say to begin is, again, looking outside of your financial services niche and look at the different communities that you might want to speak to. Then do a little bit of research, figure out which podcasts are speaking to these audiences. And this is like a little research hack. 
the desktop version of the iTunes. It's actually, I think it's just podcasts now. The application on the, I have a Mac, so I'm speaking as a Mac user. The application on the Mac computer, not on your phone, is a great research tool because you can find podcasts and then you can look below at all the podcasts that people who subscribe to that podcast are also listening to. So it helps you to start to create a list. And with my clients, we have tons of lists that we you know, help give them a leg up on this research. But this is a great starting point for creating your own list. And then from there, listen to an episode or two. You don't have to go crazy, but it will make it so much easier to figure out how you fit in to what they are talking about. So once you've listened to an episode, you can figure out what is the angle that they're taking in this podcast? What's their overarching goal? What are they trying to accomplish with their show? And then what I always suggest is don't reach out initially with a pitch. Simply, and this is particular for podcasts because we podcasters are doing this as a labor of love, most likely. We're pouring our hearts and souls into creating this content and making a great show for our audiences. And so when we hear from someone, and this is what I would advise you listening to do, when we hear from someone who says, hey, I just found your show. It's amazing. I love what you're doing. I really resonated with this episode because of this reason. And kudos, good job. That is a great way to start building the relationship. And again, it has to be genuine. <laughs> Don't be right in that email to anyone just because you want to be on their show. Make sure you actually do appreciate their content because that authenticity is going to come across. And then what you know I think is also really important is again, asking yourself this question, what can I teach to this audience? And start to file away in the back of your mind an angle that you might approach this podcaster with. Your follow-up email could then be, hey, I was thinking about how I could contribute to your audience. Would they be interested in a conversation about XYZ. Here are some things we could talk about. Bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Here's why I'm perfect to be delivering this message, little bio. And let me know what you think. Give them a call to action at the end. So that's sort of the framework of a pitch. And you can actually get a template for that pitch on the homepage of my website, if I may mention that. It's just right there on the top. Of course. And that's Amanda Berlin. Yep.com and it we'll put it in the show notes as well. So I think that from your standpoint, and we'll get into the who, you know, cuz I'm a big who not how. There are a lot of folks who don't have time and advisors, they just want to meet with people and talk and sell things. Pitching is not necessarily our deal except for that. What I heard you say was this is a relationship. Yes. Whether we're talking about podcasters who I find to be much more accessible maybe than some other forms of, because these same pitches that you're talking about, you could use for a CNBC article or to the publisher of whatever, but this is a relationship. And so what you're doing essentially is in a way courting a friendship with this person. But the other thing I heard from you was what seemed like the importance of the research component of actually listening to a show, of being able to authentically listen, we can find something we like in any 30 minute 
show to be legitimately and honestly, you know, people are proud of their work and reaching out. I find podcast hosts myself to be very accessible and open, but the importance I heard was that it's a relationship. All relationships worth having take work. And then you have to have done some research to be specific because I really like and yes. and the template, I think, would be awesome for people because you understand what it is that having listened, what their angle is, because the host is doing it for a reason. I mean, it is a labor of love, but there's an overall relationship outcome for them with their listeners. And understanding that allows us as advisors, as people who are in a relationship and sales business, then to specifically lay out how, again, you work with all forms of media, but am I right in thinking that most of those folks have other things to do than figure out how it is that I can speak to their audience? They're having to come up with story. I mean, just to write my own blog or to do some of the writing that I do for some of the publications, like that's a lot of work just to think about what to write about. So what it sounds like you were teaching is literally, here's the format of how to tell them exactly what they need to know to say yes to you. A hundred percent. That is exactly right. Yes, you have to make it easy for them. And actually, Chip, you were telling me that your wife had a uh, has a history in local news, and that's where I got my start as well, pitching local news. And you had to show them how this was going to be easy for them. And we would have to give them questions to ask. We would give them additional footage to run. The more we could provide, the more likely it was that we would get a yes, because they could start to see how it would fit together and integrate into their content. And the same thing is true for any kind of media. You need to show them that this is going to be easy. They are going to show up as a contributor of value that you're going to deliver on what you promise that you're the real deal and that you're, you're a professional, that you're going to have integrity in offering this content. So for sure, showing them that you understand their intention with their content is the first step in creating that sense that they can trust you to deliver and to make their job at least not harder. (laughs) I mean, that goes without saying, right? If you're just pitching somebody blank and saying, I sure would, you just get blown off because they're not going to pick up any more. I've heard Donald Miller on Building a Story Brand talking about how the brain burns calories by having to think too much and how important clarity is. And I think that this is just a good example of understanding your story, your value, and how it can apply specifically to somebody. Now, Amanda, I'm of the opinion that people either have time or money. Some people probably have both, but they're willing to spend one or the other. And I'm sure that there are some advisors like me who can geek out on this marketing and PR type stuff and and building the stories are interesting. But for others, I'm sure that that's just not something that they're looking to spend their time doing or, and I fall into this category a lot of times, or even if they like it, I'm a nine quick start on the Colby. My follow through is about a three. And so I might like to write the story, but I'm not going to do enough of the 
kind of legwork to actually get enough traction. So one of the things I believe that you do is you actually help people on the implementation. Mm -hmm. What does that look like if you're doing that for somebody? Because neither you nor I, we don't produce our own podcasts. We talk, we don't edit. You know, there are lots of things that we don't do for ourselves, even though they're important. How does that work kind of in this pitching realm? Okay, so there's a little bit of clarification that I want to make around sort of like what my ethos is in terms of small business owners and visibility and publicity because, and I feel like you and perhaps many people listening are going to be like, really? Ah, you're not going to like this, <laughs> what I'm about to say. But I know you need to be out there doing this work. So there's a lot of different ways I work with clients. One of the kind of overarching things that I do with all of my clients is the strategy. So instead of having this sort of like dispersed energy and lack of focus around where am I supposed to go? Who am I supposed to talk to? What am I supposed to say? We hone in and we say, this is who you're supposed to go to. This is what you're supposed to say. This is what your outreach should look like. When are you sending that email? Okay, cool. We're going to check in with you. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, for my highest level clients, we do have support around implementation with a program concierge who is going to help you with the research, with the writing. And I have my eyes on all my clients' work that they're writing because I always tell them all I need is the roughest of rough drafts and I will make it into a pitch for you. <laughs> but the fact is that you as a small business owner, as an advisor, need to be out there making these connections yourself because these are the connections that are going to pay off in perpetuity. They're going to pay off over time because like you picked up on in my elaboration of how we would work on podcasts, on podcast visibility, these are relationships that you're going to create because that's how you become a contributor that people start to turn to. That's how you become a trusted source. That's how you get opportunity after opportunity. It's not by having a mouthpiece out there who's going to tell your story, a version of your story through their own eyes. You need to be out there making those relationships, telling your story, having those direct contacts. Because if you were to hire a traditional publicist, that person might come in with contacts. They likely have 12 other clients that they're also working on which diffuses their energy from your project. And then when you decide you're not getting results fast enough or you don't want to pay this person anymore and they walk, they walk with the contacts too. So this is something I feel very strongly about is that I am preparing my clients to go out there and make relationships that benefit their business over time, whether it's strategic partners, whether it's with conferences and event organizers, or whether it's with the media. And like you said, there are these controllable elements. This is how we make all of these visibility tactics more controllable is when you establish yourself as a go-to. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly agree, by the way, that you know, having tried it a lot of different ways, that actually being the person who sends the email. Because again, advisors are relationship people. The hard part is exactly what you said. And I made a note, like, make me do the pitches and report in. Help me craft what the pitch is going to say. Like, those are the things that, again, I think that for most advisors, that part 
we can build into our regular routine. You know, that's one of the things that I need to work on, frankly, is just building it into my regular routine mm-hmm. that every Monday or whatever. But I will say I've done several different things with on Wall Street slash financial planning in the advisor space. And that has come directly from making friends with the person who called me one time. Yeah, I pitched somebody. They eventually called me making friends. And I've, I've taught previously liking tweets. I mean, just being in their world a little bit. And now that person is the editor. And so, you know, it's just one of those things that, that wouldn't have happened if it was just somebody doing it on my behalf. So I definitely can see where the advisor is going to have to play an important part in that. But I also can see our administrative folks in our offices are great at a lot of things in our world. But that's a unique skill set. It sounds to me like what we're suggesting to people is that there's also a unique skill set to building your pitch, getting yourself ready and, and staying on track with those kinds of things. So Amanda, we're an action-oriented podcast. So one of the things that I really like to do is to, as we wrap up, kind of give folks something that they can, if we've convinced them that this is important, what's one thing that they could do today to get started? Absolutely. So I will give you the assignment to find three podcasts, just three. You don't need a huge long list. Find three podcasts that speak to you, that are speaking to an audience you want to speak to, speaking to an audience that you know that you could help. Reach out to those three podcasters and just tell them that you like what they're up to. Just make that initial connection and then go download that pitch template and arm yourself with the pitch that you're going to then reach out to them with in order to become a guest. So there's like three actions to take there. That's awesome. Well, Amanda, this has been really educational for me. I I know it will be for the listeners, thank you for taking time to come out. Before we go, if folks wanted to follow up with you, reach out, what is the best way for them to reach out and get in touch with you? Absolutely. You can go to amandaberlin.com and Berlin, it's just like the city, B-E-R-L-A-N. You can get the pitch template there. And as I was telling you to write your pitch, I want you to know that you can check in with me, email me your pitch. I will read it. I will look at it. You can go to the contact form on the website. Those emails come directly to my inbox. I read and respond to every email I get through the site. So feel free to reach out. And I know how comforting it can be to get a second set of eyes, especially from a professional on something you're going to send out in a way that maybe makes you feel a little bit vulnerable. So I'm happy to be that second set of eyes and give you the confidence to hit send on that email. That's awesome. Amanda, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Chip. This is a great conversation. For me too. So if any of that resonates with you, I would encourage you to do one other thing. If you'd like some additional accountability, join us in the Facebook group, Maximum Advisor on Facebook. And when you do the assignment that Amanda gave us, put your three podcasts in the Facebook group. Maybe let's start some dialogue about what it is and how we can help one another get in the right place to really be spreading our message. I look forward to being back again with you real soon. And if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com scorecard now. 
Join the conversation in our private Maximum Advisor Facebook group and subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.